Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1234 in Edmonton. Bob Stopper, Brennan S. Scott with you. Guests and Oilers now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply saving a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. 9990 Jasper Avenue, the 99th Roos Chris, open up in North America. Tell Brennan and Chris that Oilers now sent you. All right, we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, and we are joined by Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque for GCLD. Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. Louis, I'm going to hit you with a fastball right from the get-go here. How you doing? I, I like fastballs. I like to crush them right over right field. All right, here we go. Hi, Bob. <laughs> Six guys wailing on a Vander Kane. No help. The Oilers team should all be sent uh, back to your uh, uh, get uh, some new classes. In other words, you say or get you know. Like, come on, man. That, and that was a reoccurring text that we got all yesterday is, how do you not have guys jumping in? I have a feeling that it, it probably was addressed. But you know what? It is a different time, Lee. I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Um, and I know it's a little bit difficult because you weren't, in, you weren't in the building. We didn't know how far everybody was away from the yeah. original melee. But I got frustrated, watched it, especially with Ryan McLeod, because he was the one guy that was clear, didn't have a guy tied up. And twice, guys sort of broke away and got it came. You've been in those situations. What has to happen in that scenario, in your opinion? Well, first and foremost... I really wish the Lions wouldn't have been Superman and broke up two willing combatants in a fight in the first place and allowed Evander Kane to protect himself against the guy that hit him a couple times in the back of the head before he circled around the scrum and went back and engaged with Kane again. Um, that's my first point. I just wish that he would have allowed Evander to take care of business, and then I'm pretty sure I know how that fight would have gone. But um, listen, Ryan Hartman was coming to the aid of a top player. It was Yamamoto that got engaged with Kaprizov before he headed off, and then Kane gave him a little shot. He gave Kane a shot back, and it was the first glove hand to the face to Kane, which he's not going to take. So he gives him a more aggressive shot back, and then everybody converged on Kane. Yes, I would say the Oilers were a little slow to react to get in there, but eventually they did. You know, eventually the scrum did come together and everybody was in a big pile. I do not know where everybody was on the ice, to be honest with you, because you're right, I wasn't there, so I can't say how far people came to involve in that scrum. It's a different time, though, Bob. But I do agree that you need to have that mentality. You need to have that pack mentality to jump in there. I'll go back to Josh, Josh Archibald's very first game that he played. Okay, Very first game he played this year. And he literally jumped up in the air to jump onto a guy's back to engage into a scrum. And I remember looking at that going, you know what? I like that. I think that's great. Um, he didn't do that great in the fight, by the way. He got thrown around in that fight. But I like the fact that his mindset was, I'm getting in there regardless of what happens. And I do believe they probably would have talked about it a bit. I didn't think it was that bad. Nobody had mega liberties taken. I mean, Vander Kane can protect himself. Are you kidding me? I mean, he was in that scrum fighting off a few guys, and he still was able to almost separate if it wasn't for, like I said, the one linesman who 
you know, and listen, I'm sure they probably got a talking to after the Troy Terry beatdown by Jay Beagle. There's no question. I guarantee you the Lions were all talked to and said, listen, in a situation that you can get in, get in. I just feel that in that situation, you had two guys that have been around the league for a while that wanted to engage. Let them go. Because what happens if one of those guys swings out of anger and catches the linesman trying to break them up by being the guy in the middle when they already had kind of grabbed onto each other? I just, I, I didn't like it. I honestly didn't like it. Sometimes you just need to back away and say, okay, go ahead. Two guys have their gloves off. Two guys are ready to fight. That's where you let them go and then go contain the rest of the scrum until that one gets out of line. But uh, you know what? He did break it up, you know, unfortunately for our viewing pleasure. And uh, that's what happened. But I don't know. I didn't look at it as that big of a deal, to be honest with you, Bob. I know that people are making a big deal, but it was a crummy game all around, and that was part of it. So I, I don't think that that really, to me, I didn't come away from that game saying, I can't believe people didn't go into the aid of Evander Kane. I didn't think at any time Evander Kane was in a lot of danger. Yeah. Uh, I really didn't, honestly. He was the toughest guy on the ice. So I, did, I didn't really think that like he was going to – I didn't think he was – I was actually more looking forward to seeing him – get separated with Hartman and seeing them go is what I was looking forward to. But it didn't happen. But I credit Hartman. Listen, Hartman was doing his job. I have no problem with him getting in there. I just have a problem with him getting some free shots and then when they were going to fight, have a linesman come in there and think that he was yeah, you know, going to break them up, which he did, which would have been a lot harder to break us up back in the day is all I'm saying. I think he'd have a hard time. It wouldn't have happened. Uh, so, Louie, the Oilers have... Um, Evan Bouchard and Ryan McLeod that are 22. McLeod was on the ice. Yamamoto and Pugliarvi that are 23. So Pugliarvi's six. Yeah, Bouchard six. you got to look at the personnel, too. Yes, and I'm not saying that Yamamoto's not fighting this game. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he... That's, that's, uh, where, that's where I was going to go. Like, Louie, those four kids, the four 22 to 23-year-olds, the most aggressive player, the guys that got the yeah. most snarled, the most bite is Yamamoto, and he's 5'8", which brings me to, like, I like McLeod. Just like, you know, Jack loves McLeod. I, I, I think Ryan McLeod's a player. And so I'm going to ask you, is that, it, 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 does that learning lesson there? Because, he, you know, he ended up in it. So, like, Bouchard wasn't on the ice. Paul Yarby wasn't on. They I got there. Him. I would say they got there. Call it slow. I mean, it wasn't like yeah. everybody was coming and taking shots at Kane. There was only one really in particular that was throwing shots over top, and that was Hartman. They eventually came together. Yep. Um, would I like to see somebody come in and grab Hartman from behind? Sure. You know what? Come yep. in there and grab him. Again, he didn't do it with gloves off. He did it with gloves on. They didn't drop the gloves until they came together, if I remember correctly. So it's not like he was taking an ungloved hand and throwing bombs. He was just coming over the top in displeasure. He he was he knew he was getting kicked out of the game regardless. He wasn't going to be around for the rest yeah. of that game. But um, listen, it's a different time. But here's the thing, and you and I have talked about this. That's not how the Oilers are built. Sorry. If you want that type of a team and you want that type of a personnel, then you have to go get that type of personnel. Yes. It's really hard to change stripes. If people don't have that in them, it's really hard to push them to do those types of things. What's the old saying, Lou? Lou, if they don't bite as pups, they're not going to bite when they're dogs. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to, it's, and, and, and I'm not, it's a different game. It really is. It's funny, though. It's amazing how 
we always kind of resort back to that, don't we? We always come back to the fundamentals and the basics. And one of the basics of hockey for me is it's a team sport and you stick up for each other. And I don't care how you do it. I don't care how you do it. And I'm not talking dropping the gloves. Listen, I love, as you can tell, and you know, I do like seeing the gloves dropped every once in a while on a real good scrap. Um, I don't want to see guys get beat up necessarily. I just want to see a good scrap. If both guys come out of the scrap with a couple of nicks and scrapes, I look at that and say that's a great fight. You know, some of my best fights in the game weren't weren't the fights that I won clearly. Were the ones that were actually it was a good scrap. And, you know, I came out with marks, my opponent came out with marks, and I remember going to the penalty box and going, Wow, you know what? You gain a lot of respect for that guy. You're looking over across the way after you just exchanged blows with a guy, and you go, you know what? He gave me his best. I gave him his, my best, and we're both sitting here looking at each other going, yeah, you're pretty tough. It, it, it really does even the playing field out there. It gives you that respect on the ice to a certain degree. But it's a different game now, and I continually have to tell myself that. But then every time something like this happens, I resort back and say, well, it's a different game until somebody goes over the line. It's a different game until somebody does something. And then it's still the same game. It's exactly the same game. Now, some teams are, more, are built better and more prepared to delve into those aspects of the game. Edmonton, we've talked about it for a long time. They're not the hardest team to play against. I'm sorry. They're not. And they need to become much harder to play against. The Tampa Bay Lightning needed to become much harder to play against, and they went out and they got bigger bodies, guys that weren't afraid to push people around, weren't afraid to drop the gloves and get involved, weren't afraid to stick up for one another, and they won back-to-back Stanley Cups, and until they get knocked out this year, are going to be a favorite to win the third, uh, third Stanley Cup in a row. But they knew they had to address that. We've talked about this for a long time with Edmonton. They need to address that, if that's the type of team they want to have. But until they do, I'm not going to sit here and complain that guys that really don't do that weren't doing it. And, oh, and again, I, do, and I don't think, I think it's more out of proportion still. I didn't, I didn't look at that scrum and say, I didn't really feel that Evander King was in a whole lot of danger. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> you know, I like, to, I like to compare things to nature all the time. I'm a nature guy. Yes, I'm a hunter. But, you know, when the big lion comes in and steals the kill away from the hyenas, you know, they're going to give him some, some little nips and some little jabs, but he's still taking the meal. <laughs> Nobody's going to steal that wildebeest back from him, right? And uh, you know what? I think Evander Kane wasn't really too worried about who, what was coming his way. He hadn't even started to throw punches yet. He was just protecting himself and then... Now, like I said, I would have liked to have seen the scrap, right, but it didn't happen. So there's there's a rationale. Here's the deal. People say, well, you're missing the obvious stuff, or you idiot. They lost the game because they turned the puck. But there was an impetus and a pressure and a pace that these two teams play with, Minnesota and Nashville, and they back it up if they have to. They I agree. To, I, you know what? what I what's agree. Mike I can't Tyson's agree more. famous saying? Mike Tyson's favorite saying. Everybody's got a plan. Till someone that gets punched. That's yeah. the one. Till someone yeah. gets punched in the face. Well, these yeah. two teams aren't like San Jose and, and uh, L.A. San Jose playing a one-one-three. L.A. playing uh, a one-three-one. These two teams come out and they smack you in the face. They come out <laughs> swinging, both literally and figuratively. And the Oilers' defense, specifically the pairing of Keith and Bouchard, had a disastrous evening in St. Paul. And, and every team watching that's like, that's how you got to play. And then part of what happens with Minnesota and Nashville is they've got tough teams, Louie. They can back that Smashville style of play up. Yeah, there should be 
be no fear, though. You know, I got to tell you, like, I look at the game now, and you can be a really physical, aggressive team, but not that tough. You don't have to be tough to play that way. You just have to be committed. There's a big difference, Bob. Now, I will tell you, yeah, Nashville leads, leads the league in fighting majors. They're a tough team. They're not afraid to back it up every single game. There seems to be a scrap with Nashville. One of the more exciting teams to watch in the NHL, to be honest with you. And you know what? Minnesota's no different. They went out and got bigger and tougher at the deadline. They made acquisitions because of that, to go get Middleton, to go get Delorier. I mean, that's they, you look at their team and you said, why would they want those guys? Well, you know what? They want to be even bigger and stronger to play against. They want to be able to lean on you. They want to be able to cycle. And the thing about those two players I just mentioned, Middleton's playing great for them. He was maybe the best defenseman overall consistently for San Jose this year, I thought. He was a real good, solid defender. And he goes to Minnesota, and he steps right in there, and he's you know playing on the top pairing. I mean, you've got a top pairing in Minnesota. Guys, One guy was drafted the last in his respective draft, and Spurgeon was taken... I don't even remember. It was pretty far back. So I mean, Six-round pick. Six yeah, round there pick. you go. So I knew you would know that. Cause, but, but here's the thing. like, I, That's the way they want to go. That's that, They obviously have put an importance on that. That's the type of team they want to have. They have skill they want to protect. And I, you, know, you and I have talked about this at length over the years. I don't think that's a bad idea. I think when you saw what happened to Troy Terry, I can guarantee Anaheim's probably going to say, well, maybe we need to re-sign DeLore at the end of the year. Maybe we need to bring him back and sign him to a multi-year deal. Yeah. Maybe we need to get bigger at the back end. They left Josh Manson go to the, the Avalanche. Why do you think the Avalanche wanted Josh Manson? The Avalanche wanted Josh Manson because he's a big, tough defenseman that can play. That's what they wanted. They wanted someone with a mean streak in him. They wanted someone that was going to protect the front. So, again, unless you're going to go out and get these players or draft these players specifically because that's the way they play, then you're not going to have those players. And, but I think we've obviously picked out over the course of this year, and probably why I'm tired of talking about it, that that is uh, an area of need for this Edmonton Oilers team. No question about it. Yeah, I agree. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that the, even though they've, you know, they've only scored seven goals, Louis DeBrus for GCL Diesel joining us in Oilers now. Louis, they've only scored seven goals in the last four games. But part of that run, the Oilers' five-on-five goal share, uh, it was the top eight in the league, and that is a that is a good thing because usually if you're top eight in the league, that's under Jay Woodcroft. It's a sign that you can score come playoff time, and we know yeah. it's going to get we know it's going to get more physical, and we know there's going to be fewer calls. So how Whoa. you handle hard forechecks and how you handle some of the intimidation tactics that still are deployed in the game? I know we have people that believe no, nobody tries to intimidate. That's you know, that's not, not, we're not talking the Philadelphia Flyers or Punch McLean and the New Westminster Bruins. It's done differently, but this team, Nashville, does try to bully their opponents a bit. I mean, they lead, they got 55 fights, the Oilers have seven. So it, it manifests in different ways in terms of puck pressure, and the Oilers D's got to be able to handle it, and the Oilers younger skilled forwards, they got to handle some of the abuse too, because that's uh, part of the process that they're going to have to go through come playoff time. Do you not agree? You know what, and here's the thing, the way you combat that is the way Evanson heads. The way they played up against bigger, stronger teams, they use their speed, they use their skill, they use their smarts in the sense that they manage the puck very well, get pucks in behind and make that team defend. Most hits, most hits in the game happen on the forecheck, happen, you know, tracking down the puck. 
once you're in the defensive zone, almost all teams, including the National Predators, are a very stationary team. They do not. It's very hard to run around and get big hits in your own zone. Yeah, it happens. The odd time a defenseman eliminates a forward on a cycle, but I mean, you're expecting that. You're ready for it. You're protecting the puck. You have possession. Um, and, and you're also, they're more susceptible to taking penalties. They get aggressive. So that's the mentality it has to have. I thought that was the mentality against Minnesota at the start of the game that the David line was excellent. There was a great team backdoor pass to Yesapoyarvi. I don't know if you noticed the look to the sky at McDavid afterwards, but you worked that hard to create that opportunity, yep. find that cross scene pass. And I mean, that was right there, backdoor, no chance for Talbot. He hadn't even moved on the pass. He, all he has to do is direct that to the net. Just get a piece of that to the net. It's in the net. It's one nothing for Edmonton. That's a big difference in the game. That's a, that's a huge game changer uh, against a team that uh, obviously has played very, very well at home in the Minnesota Wild. Those have to start going in. Those have to start being finished. I'm sorry. We, we've talked about this at length. Yeah, I think that Yessa Pogliarvi, Tyler Yamamoto, Zach Hyman, all these wingers, they do terrific things of tracking down pucks, finding pucks. But especially on the right side right now, when it goes dry, it goes really dry. And they need to find some production. And you look down the lineup, it's Yamamoto hasn't scored in eight. Pulley in a drought right now. Cassian hasn't scored in 23. Derek Ryan, I'm not sure what it is, but it's a lengthy no goal. 18 scored in 18. There you go. So when I look at that, that's, to me, that's a, that's a glaring, glaring issue right now. Especially the top two, who are playing in that top six, and now you've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the third line. You need some production from your wingers. You need some guys to start banging in some goals. A couple of those six, especially in the top three on each side, respectively. Evander Kane's gone through a little bit of a dry spell here. Now he's been he's came in here and, and been on fire, so I, I know he's going to find that scoring touch again. They have to start finding ways to manufacture goals in the offensive zone five on five. That's that's just you know no brainer because for a certain portion there that was the best first period they had against the Minnesota Wild yeah. all year long. And they were only down one nothing. And they played a pretty solid period. And I go back to that Calgary game. They continually found a way to come back in that game. It was a one goal game going into the third period and then they got crushed in the third period. They've, they've, they've had resilience. They've had an ability to be able to come back and play stronger against teams that have owned them throughout the year. They are getting better in that regard. I don't always look at the negative side of things. That was a wash. They've got three regulation losses in the last 17 games. You're going to have a crummy game like that where you turn pucks over and you yep. give up chances. Unfortunately, it's against the Minnesota Wild, the team that seems to be able to do that against Edmonton at will. But I look for this game tonight. It's a must-rebound game for Edmonton. I think they completely understand that. You look over the video, and sometimes just a matter of taking that extra split second, which you think you don't have, that little breath, and making sure the play is tape to tape. And I'm referring, you know, to the Duncan Keith quick little pass. If it's a foot off there, it gets picked off. The drill walks in, credit and makes a beautiful move. But you have to manage your puck a little bit better in your own zone. And every once in a while, sometimes you just need to eat it. Sometimes you need to eat it. Sometimes you need to punt it. Sometimes you just need to find a play by moving your feet. Figure it out in that regard. They're going to be up against another team that likes to forecheck and likes to hit. And they just have to learn how to weather that because that's what the playoffs are all about. So this is a real test again tonight for Edmonton. Louis, wonderful stuff. Thank you for joining us here on Oilers Now. All right, Bob. Take care, bud. You bet. That is Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey on Rogers.
Louis' appearances are brought to you by GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com will return with an updated Oilers Now injury report and some of your texts on Oilers Now. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 12.55 at Edmonton. Uh, Brendan, you had a quick thought there you wanted to jump in with? Yeah, it's just you have to marvel at the fact that the Oilers went from being the team that was too big and slow to switching the philosophy to being the team that's all about puck movement. And now you're looking at these two games exposing the team as being undersized and not having enough of that bulk. So, it, you know, it's just funny how the, the trajectories have been different in that way. Well, and I, the Chris McFarland story is the assistant general manager of the Colorado Avalanche. And we were in Nashville in 2017, the playoff year for Edmonton. And the Avs were awful that year. You know, like they had a worse year that year than any of the bad uh, Edmonton, you know, the teams that struggled in Edmonton during what's known as the decade of darkness. Uh, the Avs had a worse year that, and Chris came from Columbus. I mean, you know, he, he knew some rough miles too, right? Uh, rode some rough, and he just, I remember him saying to me, Stoff, you guys are going to become too heavy and too slow. And the others had Lucic, they had Cassian, they had uh, Pat Maroon at that time. Now, one of the things I think in fairness, uh, two, two quick comments, Brendan. Number one, the others are the le- have the least fighting majors in the National Hockey League. Zach Cassian's been injured. Uh, you know, he, he, he's busted an orbital bone, which would limit a guy's desire to fight. I think most of you would fundamentally understand that. Um, and sometimes guys get less interested in doing that as they get older in their careers. And then to, to sort of combat that, that's part of the reason why Kane was an attractive player to become available. Like, I, I, I get it. There's lots of people don't like for whatever reasons. Uh, they don't like Evander Kane. But at the end of the day, Evander Kane's actually what Edmonton needed and has come in and been a really good top six forward with some size that doesn't take any crap out there on the ice. So uh, valid point by you, no question. I'd like to see a little bit more pushback from some of the, uh, you know, again, I, I think in time, McLeod and Bouchard will... See, I, I guess you can only really comment on the guys that were on the ice. So McLeod was on the ice with Yamamoto and Kane up front, and it was Barry and Kulak on the fence. So it's not like the others had a, like, would it have been a different situation if it was Nurse, uh, you know, Nurse, Kane, and Cassian on the ice? I think it might have been a different situation if that had occurred. All right, very quickly, very little to report in our Oilers now. Injury report for James H. Brown, injury lawyers. James H. Brown, Trent Brown, Jim Brown. Uh, it's this simple. James H. Brown, injury lawyers are the best. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, and they get you unrivaled results. Oscar Clefbaum and Kyle Turris. Clefbaum uh, LTIR. Turris is basically... Uh, been pretty much shut down here for the season. Back in Edmonton is Josh Archibald, of course, not able to fly uh, because he's unvaccinated. And we'll get a game time lineup a little bit later on during the course of today's show. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Kevin Weeks when we return on Oilers Now for Canadian Power Pack. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.